back to another episode of Film Junkies with Griff and Friends. As always, for yet another episode, I am your host, Griffin Schroeder, and we've got a special episode this week, although every week is a special episode, but this one's extra special um, because it is the 20th episode of Film Junkies, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, and we have a special guest coming back for uh, the second time here. We have my my dearest friend in the world, the uh, the man who lived across the hall from me for most of our lives. <laughs> How's it going, sir? Keaton Schroeder, it's how good. are you? I'm, I'm very happy to be back, talking about yet another movie. Actually, in our last podcast, we talked about doing a Marvel movie and how we could talk for days on them. So I'm excited to see how long this one ends up being. <laughs> yeah. I cleared my schedule for the next three days, so let's <laughs> record this podcast <laughs> until then. Right up until the Toy Story 4 premiere, I'm ready to talk about Deadpool, which is the movie we'll be talking about on this episode. You excited, Swaggy, or what? I'm really excited. This is one of my all-time favorite superhero movies. Probably one of the funniest movies that I can think of. Yeah. Um, especially with one of my favorite actors, Ryan Reynolds, because he is something. <laughs> he's one, such a talented actor he, you there's know. a few people that I wish were my dad and he's one of them yeah one of the one of the guys <laughs> to make the short list <laughs> um, yeah so I actually I should probably point out now we're doing some some movie magic with this episode right now um, while I can physically uh, see and hear Keaton it's not in person in the in the the studio we're not in the lab together like we were for our first episode since keaton since you live in kalamazoo uh go to college out there i am not able to hang out with you all the time but i still want to have you on the podcast and so we are skype calling right now so if uh you're one of the couple of people who might actually be able to tell a difference in audio (laughs) um listening to the podcast that is why the audio might sound different because we are skype calling each other rather than using my uh like professional microphones that i have but we had we had alluded to it before that this is what we try to do a couple times or wanted to do with the podcast but well this will be our our test run you know and if this if this is smooth sailing then we should be able to knock them out whenever we need to Right, and the cool thing too is that if you're familiar with Skype, I'll or if you're not, I'll give them a free plug here. Uh, they, <laughs> you do have the ability to have uh, conference calls on them with multiple people, uh, and so my end game here is uh, like we have an episode with several different people on it, and we all are able to talk through Skype. So because I only have a certain amount of microphones, uh, and so that's a little bit harder to do that. Um, in person so this actually might benefit the podcast um, because i know at least eric would want to get on an episode with the two of us i think cassie might be a little bit intimidated but (laughs) (laughs) or maybe maybe not intimidated more so that she's heard enough of the conversations where she sits there and listens to us talk about movies that she she doesn't want to do another one yeah that's true she sits and she's like all right that's enough i can you guys can do your thing for a minute right she did i thought she did well on the podcast so i know you listened to it yeah, I texted, or I think I, I Snapchat you, and I was like, I just made a joke of it, but I was like, you guys, as I was listening to it, I was like, you guys are killing this podcast, or something like that. Like, <laughs> just your natural chemistry came through, and it's, obviously I love the movie Edge of 17, but yeah, I I, I felt the pressure to um, come back, I guess, because all, all your guests so far have uh, have done a really good job, Eric and 
uh, Cassie too. So, and Trey when he was on there as well. So I wanted to really uh, keep my energy going, knock Deadpool out, you know, especially it's the 20th episode. It's a big deal. Yeah, I got you on. You're a fifth of the way to 100, so. (laughs) That is true. I am a fifth. And in a little over a month from now, I'll be a quarter of the way. So we're really knocking it out here. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, let's let's bust into it. Um, like we said, talking about Deadpool, the uh, film that came out in 2016, there's a second one out for it now, which might arguably be better than the first one. Uh, but that's for another time because we're talking about Deadpool <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> um, actually came out um, February 12th. And I remember, I think... I, and I only know that because literally right in front of me is the giant poster for Deadpool that yeah. says February 12th on it because I have it in, in my room. But um, I remember it came out Valentine's Day weekend and they, they marketed yeah. it as like a love story movie. And what it was really genius. What a genius yeah, piece of marketing too, to be like, oh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriends can go out and it's a nice date night movie. And then lo and behold, it's like this. Uh, there's really at times really like gruesome comedy that like yeah, right. <laughs> is not is not anything like um the notebook yeah, right. what they, yeah that's what they were trying to tell you it was yeah and i've i've got we'll have a couple uh quotes to throw in there later when we get to scenes where they mention the fact that they marketed it as a as a love story but um as always i'll do my uh brief plot summary here for for deadpool So this is the origin story of former special forces operative turned mercenary Wade Wilson, who, after being subjected to a rogue experiment that leaves him with accelerated healing powers, adopts the alter ego Deadpool. Armed with his new abilities and a dark, twisted sense of humor, Deadpool hunts down the man who nearly destroyed his life. What do you think about that? Pretty good plot summary. Yeah, it gets me excited to watch it for my sixth time. (laughs) I've I've probably seen this movie sixty times. <laughs> I love it. It's yeah. but no, yeah, it's um. I mean, where where do you want to start on it? That's a quick plot summary, but I mean, I I want to do my kind of specs breakdown that I like to do. Talk about <laughs> behind the scenes of some people who made it. Um, give you guys some give all some, the facts. Yeah, pull back the door. Uh, and I'll we'll give a quick shout out to mom because I was talking to her on uh on the phone the other day and she was saying that she requested that in the next episode we do we say more things about like behind the scenes of how the movie was made because apparently she doesn't get enough of that from my <laughs> the episodes I do in the videos i put out every week where i specifically have a section of facts about the movie so well let's yeah let's put some more in there yeah mom i got some for you so hold on hold on tight here, here. um anyway so this movie was written by rhett reese and paul wernick um, they also teamed up to write Deadpool 2, which I mentioned as obviously the sequel to Deadpool 1. Uh, they also wrote Zombieland, uh, which is a really funny movie. And they have a Zombieland 2 that's supposed to be getting made, too. Um, and then I wanted to point out, Ryan Reynolds didn't actually get a writing credit uh, on Deadpool 1, but he did on Deadpool 2, too, because he um, kind of like chipped in a little bit on on writing Deadpool 1, but he definitely like stepped up for the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they one of his uh, main contributions to this script for the first movie that I thought was really cool was like there are several times where and we'll talk about the fact that fourth wall breaking is a, such a huge part of yeah. this film and like arguably the best movie to do it. Um, but yeah, they get yeah, away with so much with it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, they do. And that's what I want to say. So there's several times where Deadpool in the film played by Ryan Reynolds makes 
jokes about Ryan Reynolds, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> I was, want to point out those comments were like any time that that happened in the movie, Ryan Reynolds actually wrote that part of the script because the so, uh, writers didn't know him well enough. And so they didn't want to like bash him in the script. So he wrote those things himself, which I thought was cool. Yeah. That's something that obviously I'd, I had read about is like, there's a lot of freedom to ad lib uh, for TJ Miller and Ryan Reynolds and like uh, other characters yeah. as well. Um, and just, I, I guess that's something new to learn that he's the one that's coming up with those because, you know, he takes shots at Green Lantern. He takes shot as yeah. him in the earlier um, Marvel or the X-Men Origins, like him playing Daredevil in that one. Like he's literally taking shots yeah. at almost the same exact character that he's currently playing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. He didn't get Ryan Reynolds didn't get this far in his superior acting ability. No, <laughs> he always call he calls himself out several times, and I love that. So, awesome. um, but I did want I wanted to point out, like, say something about the the writers of this film because they they did an incredible job. Honestly, I'm surprised that they didn't get nominated for something. I think it's probably just because the film is a little bit too raunchy for like the Academy. That's a um, good point, yeah. but like the writing is like incredible the way that they made this film. Mm -hmm. Um, but something about that so this movie was made by fox uh, studios who is now acquired by disney because why wouldn't disney own every single thing out there <laughs> but uh so fox was actually unwilling to pay for uh rhett and paul to be on set every day um while they were making the movie and ryan reynolds uh felt that they were a, a huge part of the movie and needed to be there and so ryan reynolds personally paid their salaries to be wow. on set every day of that movie yeah because he wanted them to be there so much since they they really were you know a big part of bringing this to life so wow that's that's kind of incredible <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> we I remember Trey and I talked about in the the miracle episode uh, that um, what's his name that played the the coach in, in miracle Kurt Russell. Dude from Gladi Kurt Russell. Yeah, that he paid for like the extras to have a hot lunch instead of a bag lunch. I was like, mm -hmm. that's that's nice and everything. Like that's really cool. Not to diminish that, but at the same time, like two salaries for Hollywood writers is probably way like way more of a financial contribution. Yeah. Than hot lunch for people so Absolutely. i just like i can't imagine I, like i couldn't believe that i hadn't heard about that before because a lot of times when i throw these facts and stuff in here i've already heard about them but like mm -hmm. i want to bring them up again anyway because most people don't spend 90 percent of their life learning stupid facts about movies <laughs> like i do <laughs> so, knowledge you and i yeah. have too much of it we have so much yeah um and so then moving down that list uh this film was directed by tim miller and this was actually his directorial debut uh so kicking it off pretty hot with your first movie directing is deadpool which did uh did fairly well um, and that's and that's kind of interesting too for his first movie to have so much use of like the care the main character breaking the fourth wall because i can't yeah. imagine that that's an easy thing to do or like that can't be seamless throughout the movie if like it's immediately kind of taken a cut in the action that has been building up for him to build like a, a response with you yeah because the audience that's not even there you know has no right. no lines whatsoever i imagine that that had to be tough but he pulled it off in in a great way and obviously to get the deadpool 2 is he did he also direct deadpool 2 um I, i'm not mm -hmm. sure if he did or not but i'm not sure uh he might have i i would have brought him back for a second one but uh no actually that was directed by david leach david um, leach yeah he directed he um 
directed a few different things. Atomic Blonde, which is a really good movie. Yeah, but um, one of the Fast and Furious movies. But regardless, uh, a first time actor uh, or first time director from uh, our guy there, Tim Miller. I think Tim he definitely like, proved he knows what he's doing. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then, if you want, we can get into some cast stuff here. I would love um, to. I'm ready to talk sure. about my boy Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, our hopefully our dad. Ryan, if you're listening, uh about the adoption papers. Yeah. yeah. We'd love to have you be our dad. Anything to step up. Bow. Anyway, oh. so Ryan Reynolds uh plays Wade Wilson, aka Deadpool. Um, one thing that I thought was crazy, as I'm sure you know, like he he's been Deadpool for since uh technically since two thousand and four. Yeah, um, he was in the X Men movies. Well, the the X Men Wolverine movie came out in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. um, but he was attached to an actual Deadpool film starting in two thousand and four. They just hadn't developed it, and then that uh, X Men movie came out, and everyone hated the way that they went about Deadpool in that movie because he's had he had his mouth sewed shut, and he's got all those weird lines all over him, and he had like katanas yeah. that could come out of his arms, and people were like, "This is stupid," and so they went like a completely different direction with it after that. And especially because of Green Lantern coming out, too, they were like, Ryan Reynolds can't mess up. That's, yeah, and I think something that that plays so well with Ryan Reynolds, because, you know, I'd read a couple things saying that Ryan Reynolds has said that Deadpool was going to be the last comic book character that he was ever going to portray. Um, yeah. Like not, not saying that he was he wouldn't do Deadpool in the future, but like, no, this is my last shot with a superhero. We'll see what yeah. happens. And I feel like it, they just kind of let him bring his personality into the character because, you know, he's the Merc with the mouth. Like that's his yeah. thing. Cause he's always sarcastic or, you know, saying something that's close to the line, if not over the line, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they had originally had him with his mouth sewn shut and now he's able to come into his own and, you know, deliver his own lines, break the fourth wall, have a witty banter with just about every person that comes onto the screen was so, so refreshing and so nice, especially for a superhero movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool, I think. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's, it's not like you watch this and you're like, oh, he's trying so hard to fill this. Like, no, that's it's no. 100% him. Yeah, yeah, it is his pure character. His his energy comes through straight through Deadpool. And that's, yeah, For like sure. I said, they're synonymous with each other at this point. Right. And then, so like you mentioned, we also have TJ Miller in this movie as uh, Weasel, who's the guy who owns the bar. Uh, was it St. Margaret's? I think it's school uh, for children. St. Margaret's School for Wayward Girls. Yeah. Wayward Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably the best name for a bar I've ever seen. I think it uh, has. Yeah. yeah. And then we have uh, Marina Baccarin as Vanessa, uh, Deadpool's love interest. Uh, Karan Sony as Dopinder, the greatest taxi cab driver ever. Uh, and then Ed Skrine as AKA, or I'm sorry, as Ajax, uh, AKA Francis, um, the back and the film. But uh, yes, yeah, so we got we've got some good uh, names in this movie. They all definitely uh, attributed a lot of positive stuff to the film because we're both fans of it and um, dedicating episode number twenty. So I wouldn't be wasting that on a, <laughs> on a bad movie. So uh, and and actually, funny enough, um, while the award season tends to shy away from superhero movies. Um, as I've mentioned in the past, they are kind of opening it up a little bit more as far as visual effects stuff um, in the recent years. And 
Uh, side note, hot take. I think Robert Downey Jr. should be nominated for something for Endgame. Um, but Ooh, that's a good take, actually. Yeah, I, so I, I, I would agree with that. Well, I appreciate you agreeing with me. It's, it's <laughs> all time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so speaking of Deadpool specifically, this film was actually nominated for two Golden Globes. Uh, one was for Best Picture for Musical or Comedy, and then Ryan Reynolds actually got nominated for Best Actor uh, for a Golden Globe for this movie. And like I said, like that's really cool because he definitely did carry this movie, and I think it really helped um, to like let him redeem himself because this was like this was the superhero that he should be like nobody cared about green lantern (laughs) yeah no i and he makes that abundantly clear as well like how he earlier referenced how he takes shots at himself yeah no i think like just with like his personality how you see him in other movies or i mean we love to watch like ryan reynolds interviews and like the way that he is in real life is like just like this character and i think that's like a testament to acting it's like he was portraying a character but at the same time like he made it seem so natural in the way that he was um portraying deadpool so um pretty good pretty good ratings though for this film i on imdb had an eight out of ten uh and then an 84 percent on rotten tomatoes so pretty solid um, as far as that goes, especially like for, like I said, for a superhero movie, um, one that's rated R and one that like kind of took a risk because there wasn't anything else like it that had been released uh, prior to that. No, um, and if correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first rated R superhero movie that had been released, right? Like the first one to kind of take it over into that like adult, the, the, the adult yeah. rates, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, like they were. They were tippy-toeing around Wolverine stuff for a while, holding that PG-13, and then Deadpool came out, and then they released Logan, which is the best X-Men movie ever made. Yeah, uh, I think other that's hot take for you. So, but um, no, that's uh, again that's a, a really smart idea. I don't know whose idea it was to just kind of go all into Deadpool and really embrace his comic character, like just being the most sarcastic, not caring about anyone else except what he's trying to do you know, character. I think that was, that was really portrayed well. And, but yeah, no, I was, I mean, I, I don't think that the first Deadpool would have had as much success if it wasn't rated R. Cause I just feel like the maturity of the content and the jokes that they were able to make kind of, kind of was able to evolve, not only a superhero movie, but a, a comedy as well. And yeah, I think that if when you think about a bigger picture, like there's so many jokes that were made in Deadpool one that 100% would not have been able to be in that film if it was PG-13. Yeah. Um, and like you said, if if we had never had a like the example of the first one, like it would probably still would have been good because people wanted a Deadpool movie. But like we talked about, uh, Deadpool two, they released a. Uh, pg-13 version of that called once upon a deadpool or whatever it was and people like hated that because it was disney's version of like testing out if people would still like deadpool if you use pg-13 and people don't want that like that's not what the character is made to be yeah and so i think like we said like with the ratings that it got um people liked it how it was um it actually set some crazy uh records here like it, it had a budget of 58 million dollars and it made 783 million dollars yeah yeah it broke like several records uh it became actually since you were talking about rated r uh, it became the highest grossing r-rated film of all time 
the highest grossing X-Men film of all time and the ninth highest grossing film of the year 2016. Um, wow. Yeah. So it definitely made a, made a stance there when it came out. And um, I remember just like continuously checking up on um, those stats. Cause like it's opening weekend people. Oh man, this is like an Avengers movie. Like it's really about to do, do big here. And so I kept like checking up on it and I was like, yeah, highest grossing rated R movie of all time is pretty crazy. So yeah, and that's uh, something that we kind of talked to uh, just about ratings or like the fanfare of it all in our last episode was that we were surprised that uh, Baby Driver didn't have a very high IMDb score. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I had gone back and I looked at my rating and the IMDb rating, I realized it was over an eight for anybody that had seen it. So like the fans love this one. And that's something that's so critically important, especially in a superhero movie is like, you right. really got to make sure you're catering to your fans and your comic book aficionados in, in the same sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, I mean, I rated this one a nine and I hardly ever go past an eight for any movie ratings. I, uh, this this movie's incredible. <laughs> Just yeah, it is. your comedic aspect. I, I, you know? Yeah. And it, and it, we see that aspect come out literally from as soon as this, the movie starts. Um, and that, that was something that now I, I realized like we've been, we've been at this for, we haven't even talked about the actual movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> how it goes yet. So, um, I want to, I want to break into that. Even in the episode before that we could talk for days. About <laughs> like, this is not a joke. Yeah. This is movies. This is not a drill. We're here for a long time and a good time. So, um, starting out, like I said, in this movie, like, um, one thing that I hate is put the credits at the beginning of the movie. I think it ruins the way that you're going to like develop how your audience is going to experience the film, whatever. Like I understand do it so that people get credit for the movie and they are, people see their names, like, because people are just going to leave for, unless it's a Marvel movie, people are going to leave as soon as the credits start rolling. So I get that. But at the same time, it's like there, you need to like, it's art. You're trying to present a certain aesthetic for your movie and you're ruining that by people's names up that i've never heard of before so um like no offense i love movie but i don't i really don't care who designer is for deadpool like i'm sorry like it doesn't matter to me but um this movie starts out incredibly well because they kind of do a parody of the um opening credit scenes where instead of using names they just have these hilarious um kind of uh poking fun at uh jokes like where they give fake titles so it it starts out and it I'm just going to read a bunch of them because I wrote them down as I was watching it. But, so it's uh, starring God's Perfect Idiot, um, Brian Reynolds. And as that comes up next to it is a copy of Sexiest Man Alive People magazine issue with Ryan Reynolds on the cover of it. Uh, and as we're doing this, like it's go, it's a slow motion uh, version of a scene that we realize we're going to see later in the film, which is like a highway chase. Um, and we're yep. going slow motion through. And then uh, it says some hot chick, uh, a British villain, a moody teen, comic relief, a CGI character, a gratuitous cameo, written by the real heroes here, and directed by an overpaid tool. And those are just like <laughs> you, you you said it pretty perfectly. It's like and, and anytime you see that you're kinda like, oh come on, like really I gotta sit here and watch like all this and really it like I don't know if I was crying laughing before I had gotten through the credits, but I had like, I had really gotten to like some deep laughs just by reading like, Oh, this, you know, yeah. directed by an overpaid tool. Like <laughs> just, just to start off All on right. that, that kind of, it sets you up for a movie that was just so different and, and just it very well balanced too with, um, 
the comedy and the drama and the action and, and all of that too. Yeah. Um, I think, like you said, it gets the, the movie started out on a pretty good pace. Um, and from there, motion scene, we cut to him in the cab. Uh, and I just thought that was great because like it, it shows him uh, from the beginning. Like we get a sense of how he is how the character is going to be where, like I said, he's sitting in that cab and he's just like messing around with things like rolling the window up and down, like touching random pamphlets in the back of the seat. And like, it's, he literally isn't even saying anything yet. And you're already like, for me, at least I'm already laughing. Like mm-hmm. he hasn't even said a single word. And I'm like, Oh God, everything that he's doing right now is so funny. Um, and then amongst those things that he does before he starts talking uh, that I thought was important to point out is the fact that he has a fourth wall break while he's in the cab there mm-hmm. uh, where he, he takes gum off of the back, the back of the seat or wherever he finds it and then like shoots it at the camera and then you see him like wipe it off the camera. Um, and I think that's important because obviously we find out later very prominently that he's going to be breaking the fourth wall a lot. But like that's a subtle one that sets the tone for that, you know, telling us that that's something he's going to do more than once. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was just like a great way to start off the movie with the combination of those two, two things where you have all, you know, taking the nuances of having a, an open credit scene and showing how stupid that is, <laughs> because that's what it is, stupid. <laughs> and um, right. then you go straight into a scene where you see your opening character and you don't do like the superhero landing stuff like he makes fun of later in the movie. Yep. Like you just have him sitting in the back of a cab wearing a superhero <laughs> suit where you've literally never once seen a superhero in their suit, and, like <laughs> taking a cab anywhere. Yeah. Um, casually being a superhero, not like in the middle yeah. of the fight, just yeah. in the city as a superhero. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that, you know, starts the, the movie off uh, really well. Um, and then one thing I want to point out that I always notice, like as soon as I start watching the movie, is as I mentioned, like I've seen this movie, <laughs> like I don't know how many times, a stupid amount of times. Like people would, there's probably people in my life who would be upset if they found out how many times I've seen this it's movie. It's at least but. one time for every Funko Pop you have of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is five. So I, I, I've definitely had. Uh, at the very least, it's five times. At the very least, it's five. Correct. Yeah. Um, but no, I. I wa- I've watched this movie so many times, and one thing that always pops out to me when I start watching it is like you hear new lines every time you watch this. Yeah, like, so many like subliminal references. Ryan Reynolds was actually like quoted as saying that there's as many as like 300 different like like actually credited um, Easter eggs or um, one-liners or quips or something about like a different movie uh, in there, like from going through the actual. Um, uh, the actual <clears throat> sorry the actual script of the film and like counting how many things are in there right. um but yeah so i i mean every time i watch it like you were agreeing with me like you you hear new things and like comedically this film is just like it's i am hesitant to say this because it might uh sound like a bad thing it's like the it's like the comedic equivalent of like a migo song where there's like never any dead air. Like someone's always making a noise or like yeah. doing something obnoxious. But like instead of like people making weird noises, they're telling jokes. Um, that's probably one of the worst analogies I've ever had. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's 
it's good. You and get it's, what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. yeah, to to tie into the comedy and the fourth wall breaks, especially and and always finding a new line or a new joke. Again, I don't I don't remember how many times I've seen this movie, but uh, specifically, there's there's one scene, I guess towards the middle of the movie. It's when uh, Deadpool is uh, finally getting Ajax, or like for the first time, is getting to Ajax and like getting to a point where he feels like he's won over the villain mm-hmm. uh, and Colossus from the X-Men shows up and Negasonic Teenage Warhead and uh, there's just like Deadpool uh, lets Ajax get away then he goes to beat up Colossus breaks both of his hands and then fourth fourth wall breaks the fourth wall um, and just says uh, all the other dinosaurs feared the T-Rex like as a fourth wall break with two broken hands then goes back to try and kick him again and I had never even heard that line before because I had been so hysterically laughing from the entire build up of that scene that it just like you just subconsciously miss some of the the funniest lines in the movie too because there's so many of them yeah, no, I agree with that. One of the one of the things that I like in that scene too, that he says after he breaks off his hand, uh, his hands and then breaks one of his legs, he's like, "You ever hear the story about the one the one legged man uh, fighting the giant or whatever it is? Yeah. Like, like all he's on one leg, like the all the the quips that he has, like." And then again, uh, we can literally go. The next thing that he says after that is like he's cutting off his arm to get away because he's now broken all of his hands and all of his feet, and goes, "You ever seen 127 hours?" And then cuts his like every single line. He's constantly yeah. bringing new comedy into it right exactly it's uh and those are just a few of those things that we noticed that we pointed out in that scene there's some uh that aren't safe for (laughs) yeah not suitable to say (laughs) Um, yeah film junkies yeah but um yeah so i that's another thing you pointed out too like the the fourth wall breaks always are like done pretty pretty much to give like a comedic aspect of things um i know you and i are both big fans of the office and it's like a it's like a Jim Halpert, like look at the camera to make you laugh type thing. And yeah. And they have, you know, that in there. And, um, like the one case, a fourth wall break inside of a fourth wall break. It's like 16 walls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's, uh, he's got that in there. And, um, I wanted to say to point out at the beginning here, like Ryan Reynolds actually was talking about, um, Deadpool breaking the fourth wall in the film and like his ability to, to do it. Um, Ryan Reynolds said is he thinks a reflection of current times. So he said, I think Deadpool's coming along at the right time because it's speaking to that generation that has seen all these comic book films and enjoyed them all. It's speaking to them as though the guy in front or the guy in the red suit is one of them. It's like watching a DVD commentary by someone who's got some pop culture savvy and is kind of funny and a little obnoxious and is saying the things that you wouldn't say. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, that definitely sums up uh, the way that he uses that. Um, and like you said too, the fact that being a first time director for this film, like accomplishing something that like really has like, yeah, they've had fourth wall breaks in films before, but it's never been like Deadpool did it. Like it's not no. sure you have Ferris Bueller and you have, you know, a few other films that are famous enough to highlight that they did that. But this one really is the one that I think did it the way that you should do it. So, yeah, because um, it's not even it's not even like. Ferris Bueller was like, I, I don't know if that was the one that like had the first ever fourth wall break in like a major motion picture. Um, but there wasn't even like a, there wasn't like a surplus of them. Like you can think of like 
maybe six different times in this movie alone that Deadpool is breaking through the fourth wall and then he does it again in Deadpool 2 like it's it's almost um it's almost a necessity for this movie to be shot this way because yeah. it's almost like the comic book um version of it you know like it's Deadpool reverting back to his almost simplest kind of form of being like I'm one with the audience like we're both observing this together and right. like it's it's another great way to even see what's going on inside of his head mm-hmm. um, it just kind of makes you fall more in love with the character at Deadpool just be so excited to see anything else that he does oh yeah I definitely agree with you on that um, for the record uh, Mel Brooks the Mel Brooks film Blazing Saddles that came out in 1974 is what people think was um, one of the first major motion pictures and then Woody Allen's movie uh, Annie Hall did it in 1977 which is uh, one of the more popular ones but um, way before my time I, yeah Ferris <laughs> Bueller is the first one that I saw that broke the first the fourth wall yeah I mean I've seen both of those movies but that's just because I see so many movies it's that's, stupid but yeah. um, <laughs> but the the first time that uh, he truly breaks the fourth wall in the film in which he's actually talking to the audience and not doing like the gum smearing off of you know the windshield uh, or the camera I mean uh, is when he's sitting on the edge of the bridge and he's like singing along to salt and pepper and mm-hmm. um, he like looks over and he goes oh I didn't see you there and like does this whole thing where he talks about you know how the film's gonna go and then uses Deadpool's catchphrase which is maximum effort mm-hmm. um and I just love the way he says it too because he's always just like maximum effort like as if he's like getting off the couch or something yeah like such yep. a funny way to say something that literally is talking about giving everything you have but yeah especially because like like you you kind of just put it in the perfect way it's like one of those things where like your body's a little bit serious like oh god yeah, but like he's jumping off of a overpass into a moving cars <laughs> like <Yeah>. moonroof. <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh, just another day at work. Here we go." <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh, bad guys to kill, and then he yeah. jumps in, into the sunroof of this car, and uh, that's when that scene takes place where he starts just like annihilating people, which literally is one of my favorite quotes for the movie because I just think Ryan Reynolds' delivery in this film is like just it's like stupid how good he is at like the comedic timing for this character where like he's in the middle of like full on action scenes that by themselves are better than like some, like almost any action movie I've, I've ever seen to be honest. And like, then he'll stop and say a joke. Like when he's sitting in between those two guys, he yells like cup shot to punch this dude between his legs. Like you don't realize it. But one of my favorite quotes though, because he has this little (laughs) uh, drawing that he made with crayons that has a picture of Ajax, the bad guy, Francis. And he leans forward and he's like, have you seen this man? And he like <laughs> holds up this little, like, this coloring that no one would ever know is what he was talking about. Yeah, it's literally, it's in crayon, isn't it? Like he had done it yeah, on his legs. Yeah. yeah, in crayon. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I think it's so hilarious that that part uh, is in the film. And that's what I wanted to point out too, was like, it's just one of like the coolest action films I've ever seen, aside from being a comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, the way that they shot it makes you feel as though you're like part of the scenes as they're happening. Um, And so you can add those like little jokes in there that normally if you're watching an action scene, you're not, you're, you're far enough away that like you're visualizing everything. Mm -hmm. But the way that they shot this is like, you're, you're fully immersed in the way that things are going on the screen. Um, And I, I think that that was cool because um, 
you get into this kind of like on the edge of your seat viewing of it rather than like, Oh yeah, this is a pretty good movie. You know, like you're, you're wanting to see what's going to happen next. Um, because the camera and the way that it's shot makes like forces you to, to pay attention. Yeah. It forces you to follow everything that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, and well, yeah, like you said, especially in the action scenes, but, but yeah. So then the way that things are shot though, it kind of flows back into um, like incorporating new characters into the film where like we're fully immersed in this action scene and then it cuts to the introduction of teenage negasonic warhead and colossus at um like the x-men mansion uh where they're you know it comes on as like now happening and it's a news coverage of like a chase that is what we were just a part of watching deadpool in um and then we see you know colossus with his deadpool like when he's sitting there <laughs> eating cereal <laughs> and yeah. then they go, they go and are, we, we are introduced to new, two new characters who obviously we can tell are going to be an important part of the movie. Um, but then it, it turns into uh, cutting us back into that, that fight scene now, uh, which is another incredible uh, quote from Deadpool where he's in that half flipped over uh truck and then he puts his hands up and he goes you might be wondering why the red suit well that's so bad guys can't see me bleed this guy's got the right idea he wore the brown pants <laughs> like like and just and he literally has like like 12 people with guns pointed at him and he makes a joke about like him bleeding and somebody else uh yeah and that uh and literally that same exact sequence because you know he jumps out of the car does a bunch of crazy flips and you know, starts going on his rampage again or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where he messes up or whatever and he wastes one too many bullets or like three too many bullets or whatever. And then yeah. in the middle of getting shot at in a highway after a high speed car chase, he's just stupid, stupid, stupid Deadpool. You know, bad yeah, boy. Bad Deadpool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Good Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the way that he like lives is just so funny because like he is like in imminent death and he's just like making jokes about how he wasted a bullet which that's something actually a scene that i I wanted to talk about because i think that sequence is actually one of the most like well done scenes in the entire film is like that 12 bullet scene yeah where he then goes and and counts he's like all right let's count it down i've got 12 bullets and then you follow him as he audibly says like the number of bullets and then we get like close up shots on the the gun casings that show like which number bullet it is mm-hmm. um and i thought that that was awesome because it's a big thing the only other action film that i can think of that makes you consciously aware of the bullet counts is john wick um yes. which is really cool in itself but like they like action movies for the most part in history have just like had unlimited ammo and like no one ever has to reload and it's just like Sylvester Stallone shooting 300 bullets out of a pistol like and no one cares (laughs) but like I thought it was really cool how like in this film they we get to see one the character development to show that he is this actual like mercenary and then on the same time it's like you said the merc with a mouth where he's also telling jokes and then like talking crap to these guys that he's like proceeding to kill yeah. uh, and then at the same time it's the character development that we learn about his powers because he's getting shot at the same time like he looks through a hole in his forearm to show us like that it happens and like it's he's making noises like it hurts him but you know that like oh he actually is like immune to bullets yeah. um and i thought that like that scene in itself is made so well to like drive the the plot of the movie yeah. um 
and one extra thing with the ammo thing when that one guy uh is shooting the um machine gun at him and jumps on top of the hood of the car and comes around the side and Deadpool's laying like cross like on his side like with his head propped up and he says someone's not counting yeah. and then shoots him like they literally like it was a, such a like technical uh comedic and like just like like plot moving scene that I, okay. I just thought like that was such an important thing but mm-hmm. yeah and it's like I said just grabbing at stereotypes and like when he goes to fight that guy that was a mutant and he doesn't die from getting shot in the head and he gets up and then rolls up his sleeves and then Deadpool yeah. like really rolling up the sleeves like <laughs> I just think like that's some of like the best comedy writing ever because they like they took an action movie and then they made it into a comedy movie where they are not only making their own jokes but they're like pointing out the stupid things that usually happen in comedy or in action movies yeah and also in in um superhero movies as well because there tends to be a lot of cliches uh for the largest example being you know the superhero landings or whatever um you you see them you know jumping out of the sky it's like superman or iron man or whatever and they come down and they got a fist in the ground and they get they're down on one knee or whatever and you see um Deadpool making fun of this, he, you know, he's like clapping his hands and he's like, oh my goodness, she's going to do a superhero landing, superhero landing, superhero landing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and she does it and he's like, wow, that was awesome, but it really is it's bad on the knees though, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. everything exactly. he makes, he makes you aware of everything that he is finding funny. Yeah, just, you're, just you're going along for the ride with him. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's just such an awesome thing uh, to see. Um, another thing, uh, here, this one's for you, Natalie, uh, for behind the curtain slice of information here. Uh, so 48 hours before Deadpool received the official green light from Fox, the studio cut its budget by seven to $8 million, um, and cut it down to the 58 million that I mentioned earlier. So this actually forced a last minute rewrite of the script that saw about nine pages get cut from the 110 page script, uh, which sucks because I want as I want all of those pages back, (laughs) but I want all nine of them now. Yeah. Right. But those changes actually included the removal of a motorcycle chase scene at the end of this, the 12 bullets fight scene that we were talking, we've been talking about. And then also having Deadpool forget his bag of guns before that final battle sequence, uh, like you said, we're talking about the superhero landing, but they took that out so that, that they would avoid having to shoot a costly gunfight in like the third act of the film. So <laughs> uh, it was interesting how like, because they got budget cut that they just like wrote out a couple yeah. parts of it. But like, I love the film how it is, but it would have been cool to like see how that like i don't need a once upon a deadpool where it's pg-13 i need you to redo yes. <laughs> give me an extended, extended cut of deadpool yeah of the rated R version. <laughs> exactly yeah um but yeah and so then we have uh, another aspect of things that that um points out a major plot point of this film at the end of that fight um with the guy rolling up his sleeves, Deadpool takes out his uh, katanas and like <laughs> holds him up in the air. And then it's a voiceover from Deadpool. And he says, you're probably thinking my boyfriend said this was a love story, but that one guy just turned the other guy into a kebab. And uh, I left out uh, an important word that starts with an F there, but regardless um, it, 
he says then like, well, for that story, I have to take you back to long before I squeezed into this suit. And so like that opens up another narrative of the movie where right. we're like, oh, wow, what we were talking about earlier with like how they kind of portrayed this in marketing to be a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came out on Valentine's Day weekend. Like there is a actually very important Love like story love story in this yeah. movie um but deadpool being the character that he is tries so hard to like st- stay away from that and not acknowledge the fact that one he is you know in love with someone and two that he's vulnerable and then three that he's also a superhero because <laughs> he openly yeah. talks about how he's not so um but yeah no i i think that um up until this point that we've talked like the, the movie flows so well and gives you such a uh, good background uh, even though they incorporate that kind of like jumping through different plot points and time periods, like everything does mm-hmm. come together well. And then we, we get to go into that backstory that he's talking about um, that. I don't know if you, if you want to expand on some Keaton of like how he starts um, talking about him being like a mercenary for hire, how we get that backstory. Oh, uh, okay. Well, towards like the the pizza, the pizza guy scene. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I already know that I'm going to laugh through part of this. <laughs> if, I if I can't get all the way through, just feel free to pick it up from where I leave off. But, so we we kind of just open up on, uh, it was in an apartment. There's just this random guy that we have had no introduction to mm-hmm. <laughs> previously. Um, and then we hear the knock, knock, knock on the door and, you know, he goes up and it's a, it's a pizza guy and he's like, oh, you know, here's your pizza. And he lists off some top or some toppings that aren't they like gross. It's like sardines. Sorry. I feel like sardines. It's like, it's it's like like black olives and some, I I don't remember what it was, but something gross. And so that's not my pizza, bro. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, what are you, you're at my door, like, I didn't even order anything, you know, Deadpool casually, well, I guess Wade Wilson, because he's not Deadpool yet, walks out from, like, the bathroom, (laughs) and he's like, oh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's my pizza, actually, and then he just continues to go on, and is, like, witty, but, but at the same time, he's, like, being aggressive with the guy, because he's supposed to be giving a warning to this guy of, like, no, you're, you know, you've been stalking this girl. You yeah. Know, that's like, he's like casually holding two people hostage. But yeah, but at really the same funny. time, he's eating a slice of pineapple and like olive pizza. You yeah. Know? <laughs> he's, he's just going like, well, or one of the jokes that he first comes in and he was like, oh, you might want to change your litter box. And the guy's like, I don't have a cat. And he's like, well, whose litter box did I just use? <laughs> like, this, when you're getting robbed, when you're getting, when there's a random person with a gun in your house holding you hostage, and they're like, "What? When did I? Whose litter box did I just like? It's like so off the off the wall and so out there." But yeah, it, it that's what gives us the introduction to Deadpool, um, like what kind of sets him up as a character. Because even when he was a mercenary, uh, Wade Wilson. You know, he was a mercenary for hire to kind of help people. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to kill this person. It was like, I'm giving you a warning. You yeah. need not do this, or otherwise, that's that's it. But this is your last straw right here. Right, exactly. It does kind of show his humanity and the fact that, like, he's not a bad guy, even though he's in, like, um, he is a mercenary. So we, we get that more developed background of him showing that, you know, he is kind of just like a goofy go with the flow until he thinks it's necessary to take it to that next like over the line step so it it sets up 
almost a little bit of restraint for Deadpool, the the superhero, just seeing yeah. Wade Wilson in this in this first scene as a mercenary and as himself before cancer, before he's a superhero, before he finds love, just who he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do have to point out one of my favorite parts of of the movie is in that scene when he's in the apartment because this is something that my roommates and I did to each other for all four years of college mm-hmm. where there's a scene where he's eating, he has a gun in one hand and a piece of pizza in the other. Uh, and he goes and takes one bite and then he goes to hand the pizza piece of pizza to the other guy. And as soon as he reaches out for it, he just drops it straight on the ground. So the guy can't grab the piece of pizza. And it's like, it's such a funny thing because like he does, he like is continually like talking and he doesn't stop when he does that. But then the camera shows over his shoulder as he's talking where that guy like looks down at the ground, like, why did you do that? (laughs) And like, I know from being in that, like it's for us, it was like remotes, uh, like Gatorade bottles, anything that someone asked you to hand to them, you just dropped on the floor before they were able to actually grab it. (laughs) And it's like such a hilarious thing. And I couldn't believe that he did that in the movie because like, it's one of those things like throughout the whole movie, he's doing all these like nonchalant, hilarious things and acting like he's not doing them. And it right. like it makes it so much more funny because not only are you laughing at the thing that he did, you're laughing at the fact that he's pretending like he didn't just do that thing. Yeah. And, the, um, and sometimes even the absurdity of it, like the, the pizza one, that's that's the mild mannered one. But like you kind of get further into it and, and further into the story and then like. I guess specifically, I know I have been talking a lot about the fourth wall breaks, but specifically the fourth wall breaks, they're like, sometimes they're just like the most, like, he's telling you exactly what his thoughts are about the person and how he's perceiving them. And it's yeah. not nice. Like, he's not yeah. <laughs> easy because it's in his head and right. you're getting that direct translation. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't, he's got this, this character, this comic. It was literally made for like the the movie screen. He it's yeah, he brings it to life in a totally different way than one any other superhero. I think. Well, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. does a great job as Iron Man and yada yada. But just like he he makes everything brighter because everything is comedy. And even though he's mm-hmm. like, yes, he's a mercenary and he does kill people, and there's strong language in it. He is just one of the funniest possible characters of in movies of all time. Definitely, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but yeah, from from that scene then though, and the plot, he ends up going to like we were talking about the what Sister Margaret's home for wayward girls, girls. Or to the bar, and that's where he meets Vanessa, who is the love interest in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like when he goes up to her. And he says, what's a nice place like you doing in a girl like this? And like, just like immediately says something that's like funny and messed up, like to show that he's like nervous to talk to, mm-hmm. not that he is, but like, it's a, it's a way that he would show that he's like being bashful talking to a woman. Yeah. But, uh, and then they go back and forth and like, and then at another point that big dude um comes up to the bar as they're standing there and says something about like how hot she is. And then he's like, Hey, you better watch it. And then she just goes on and grabs him. And then <laughs> calls him fat Gandalf <laughs> and tells him to leave. And then Ryan, like Deadpool is like, yeah, yeah, go cast a spell somewhere. And they, like, they like immediately like team up with each other. And then they're going to like talk to, then they're, they're talking back and forth and they start that <laughs> thing where they go back and forth comparing whose childhood was worse. Yeah. And like just these obnoxious, like obscene things where they're talking about like, 
who I slept underneath the attic and blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, I slept in a dishwasher box. And then he's like, oh, you had a dishwasher. But they, <laughs> like they <laughs> say all these hilarious things. And like immediately they just have this chemistry. Um, and it starts off like you, you've seen how outrageous this character is thus far in the film. And then to think about like, Oh, there's going to be like a love interest put in here. Like, how's that going to work? And then you meet Vanessa and you're like, Oh, 100%. That's the perfect. She's a female version of Wade Wilson. Like the, they're the same person, just two different genders. Correct. Yeah. And And they, they just build off each other so well. They're one liners They're Cause they, um, from there they do like the ski ball date. And then they do just like the montage of showing that they've been together for a year, you know, and it just shows like they're very explaining that montage. (laughs) Um, I'm going to do it in a PG way. Not enough. That's fine. It shows a montage of them being together for that extended period of time. And, and the, let's say the out there ways of how they celebrate holidays. Um, it's definitely a different take, and it's definitely not a child. <laughs> like you a big, uh, you a big Stanley Yelnats fan there, because you're really digging a hole on this one, player. <laughs> no, I know. It's just I don't know. It's it, to show. The yeah, no, it goes through, and and that's a great montage too in the film. Is like it shows their relationship over a long period of time in a very short part of the movie, uh, and shows us like that they really are together. Um, and then it cuts to a scene where he's going to propose to her and then it pauses and we have like a narration, uh, not exactly a fourth wall break because he's narrating it. It's not him actually turning to the camera, but, um, it's his voiceover that says life is a series of train wrecks with the, with, uh, a few brief commercial breaks of happiness. This happened to be the ultimate commercial break, which meant it was time to get back to our regular, regularly scheduled program. And then he passes out and then they wake up and uh, he's at the, the doctor's office finding out that he has like terminal cancer and every single place that you can have cancer. Um, cancer. <laughs> right. Which, which turns into the reason why Deadpool becomes, you know, uh, created mm-hmm. uh, because he finds a way to go in um what is promised to be a way to relieve his cancer. And he thinks like, you know, I'm going to die regardless. I might as well try a way to get out of this. Um, and so he leaves Vanessa and goes off on his own. And that's when we meet uh, Ajax, AKA Francis, who is the bad guy in this film. And um, that's a whole nother uh, <laughs> interaction. That's always funny because he's in like literally the worst possible scenario he could be in facing death. Like, doesn't know what's going on. Through getting yeah. tortured and he still like has room to to make jokes and some of them are like like uh wall breaking um like pop culture references like he says like we talked about ryan reynolds played green lantern mm-hmm. and as he's getting strapped down on this bed to get put it put into surgery uh or i guess i don't know if you'd call it surgery it's more like into mutation <laughs> like yeah. uh he says please don't make the suit green or animated yeah and it's like reference a blatant green lantern. green lantern reference to show how bad that movie was and that ryan reynolds knows he shouldn't ever mess around with that again mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that that his backstory is is shown so well in this movie because we see every aspect of it um and while he does do like some crazy stuff acrobatic superhero wise when he's out like killing bad guys they they are very articulate with the way that like they tell his story there's not a lot of crazy things that 
um, you know, make you think that this is a, a like a, a ridiculous story. Like, yeah, right. he, he's like a regenerative and like he essentially won't die no matter what happens to them to him but like the way that they show that is like oh yeah i could believe it like <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like a, it's not like an outrageous thing like it's not like you have the avengers where there's these people from different worlds and planets and stuff flying around not that i'm bashing the avengers because obviously i love it all but yeah. I, I just think like we talked about starting this film out with a superhero riding the back of a cab like you already set the bar pretty low as far as like trying to dazzle your audience with yeah like from a superhero aspect of what he's gonna do so um i mean and that's and that's true because he doesn't really have super powers like his the the one thing that he gets from like uh the guy that says oh you know we can feel you we can or heal you we can fix your cancer the only thing that he gets out of that is the fact that now his cancer can't kill him he still has cancer right but it's just his new mutation is just uh, his body will keep healing him until he's fine. So, yeah. like, uh, there's really no good perk. Like, he's not Superman. He can't fly. He can't shoot lasers out of any. Like, he's just, he just re- regenerates. That's it. So, um, but at the same time, it's something that's so cool and something that's so interesting to play around with. Like, when he, you know, cuts his hand off to get away from colossus they uh, that's a a hilarious bit of when he's just got a tiny little baby hand you know right and he's like going around and he's like oh you know i'm just depressed and oh you know what's happening and then he's like stroking his roommate's face with a tiny little hand and she was like what is that like what how is this happening <laughs> yeah right because we have well that's a whole other character is blind al yeah yeah She's, blind Al, uh, an elderly uh woman that he moves in with and um she's blind and like doesn't can't see that he's just like this obnoxious person uh and so i think that was just like such a great addition to the the plot because like he's so outrageous that if you could see him as well as hear him like you would just not be able to be around him yeah it would almost Uh, be too much yeah right and she's just like this old like wisecracking woman who like gives his crap back to him and it's like a, a cool dynamic to see with that. And um, before that, though, when we saw him actually turn into Deadpool and, and mm-hmm. decide that or find out he's really not going to be killed by anyone, <laughs> he goes looking for uh, Ajax. And we see that kind of montage of him, one, like just beating people up and seeing Deadpool in action. But two, uh, he starts making his own suits and stuff. And so we see like the actual development of Deadpool into a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get kind of caught up to present day where we saw the beginning of the movie start where like he knows where Ajax is and he's going to, you know, finally yeah. get after uh, getting his, his Which, girl back. But. Something else I really wanted to, to point on, and I don't know if this is specifically a Tim Miller like director thing or if this is a writer's thing, but just the way that they... Because this is Deadpool's setup movie. Like, we don't have any prior context of him in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Because when he was in it, in the X-Men, he had his mouth sewn shut. So he did not talk. Well, there was a couple scenes where he was just Ron Reynolds as Wade Wilson. Yeah. But, like, we really didn't get the full Deadpool character. And now that they're able to come in and kind of just do their own, like, adaptation of the superhero genre, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's one that as we've been talking about it, it's done extremely well. And uh, while I pointed out like it did have a lot of um jump arounds in the plot, uh, mm-hmm. which I mean was not 
it was definitely intentional. Um, I think that it told the story in a great way uh, because even though you did get different time periods all jumbled up and stuff, it, it brought the story back together because all those things were used right. to give you background on the character. And, um, you know, then we a very condensed amount of time as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we got to that point too, like I said, where um, he's back and is trying to find um, Ajax, but also get reconnected with, um, you know, Vanessa, the love of his life, but also yep. he, he knows that he doesn't look like he used to because if <laughs> I guess we haven't pointed out the fact that like the mutation caused his whole body to look like um, <laughs> like they have a whole scene where they talk about things like an avocado, like <laughs> had a kid with an uglier avocado. Yeah. Or like he looks like a, a geographical map of Utah. <laughs> like, <laughs> a like, great, a great scene right there of ad lib lines by tj miller there oh was, yeah for sure there was I, i'd read multiple things too of like he kept going and going and going and going and there were so many that were too bad for a radar <laughs> that, like that's, that's how awful. ugly deadpool looks without the costume <laughs> yeah just... right <laughs> he um tj miller's actually a really good comedian like stand-up wise i uh cassie and i went and saw him uh and he was really funny. So he was, I think he was a great addition to this movie too. Um, but yeah, so we got to the point where he's dealing with those, the backlash of his surgery. Like, yeah, he is uh, um, able to regenerate his health and really isn't going to die anytime soon. But he also looks like a danger to society. <laughs> so yes. like he, he's nervous and self-conscious about meeting up with, um, you know, his fiance because he doesn't want her to see him as he is because it's not how she remembers him. Right, uh, she's and... only seen him as Ryan Reynolds, which nobody can compete with. So it's right, just, yeah. <laughs> it's very opposite sides of the spectrum. Right. So if there's one thing we learned, it's that Ryan Reynolds understands what it's like to look like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> 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 yeah. So then we have that scene where uh, he, he does try to go and confront her uh, where she's working. And then Ajax actually pretends to be him and, and kidnaps her, uh, which leads up to that final big scene uh, in the film where he gets to confront his... Um, arch nemesis uh and fight to one uh defeat him and also get back uh his love interest and so it becomes this from on paper this you know telltale superhero fight thing to get back you know the save the girl and and beat the bad guy but in reality it's like that's not how it looks you know in the film because everything is so laid back with how they tell things like where where you said he's talking about like oh she's about to do a superhero landing like he's like ryan reynolds said he's a guy who loves comic books mm -hmm. and he's now in a movie that's about one but he it's it doesn't seem as though he's the one that's like driving the narrative with everything so no and that's and that's uh, uh something that like specifically how you just said this was like the main fight the main like everything had built up to Deadpool finally has Ajax right where he wants him, and we're going to see everything go down. And in the middle of the biggest fight scene of the movie, Deadpool stops, like, mid-swing of his sword and goes, Bob? Is that is that the last time I saw you was in Jacksonville at TGI Friday? Like, literally in the biggest fight scene of the movie, they take a very 
condensed moment just to like give you such comedic relief. And then they, you know, he knocks him out and he goes, how's Gail? How are the kids? Good. Great. You know, and then it's a change scene and they're going on to like the next fight that they're, you know, that they have to go past the next group of guys or whatever. Like it's just, it's, it's so smart and it's so witty and it's at every turn they give you new, a new thing to laugh at. Yeah. They, and that's like we said in throughout the, the film, that's what they do is like they, embrace but also shy away from like serious moments right <laughs> so like you're in the middle of this giant fight scene mm-hmm. but then you're taken away from it in several different instances because that main character deadpool causes you to like laugh or like draw yourself your attention away from the bigger picture to just like live in the moment yeah. um and i mean that's the character and that's why it's so fun to watch this movie and you know why we wanted to talk about this film because it's one that um yeah if you're if you're shy away from uh <laughs> explicit content grandma maybe don't watch deadpool but yeah um like if you can take a joke and and you're not gonna you know feel like your ears are gonna bleed if you hear a few uh cuss words like deadpool is made so well and while it does kind of uh, stray on the line of uh, embracing that rated R um, rating, like it tells a great story and it has so many different aspects of it from that plot line. And also from like a filmmaking aspect that make it something that uh, really is worth talking about. Yeah. Something that's so original in the genre. That's, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's overdone, but you have just so much content, you know, from superhero the superhero yeah, genre, the comic twenty-three books Avengers anything. movies, like they're right. And that's Deadpool, a big com or genre to compete with. So yeah, in Deadpool, I cannot think of a, a funnier, wittier, just just gave me literally everything that I wanted while I was watching it, and I didn't even know that I wanted any of this. Like I didn't know yeah. that I wanted a rated R superhero movie the whole time. I was like, oh yeah, PG thirteen's great. Like I'll see the action, we'll see some drama, and then this comes out and it's game changing. Yeah, and I think Deadpool uh, caused like pushed the envelope and caused everyone else to have to step up their game because after we saw this, like I said, one we got the gates open for Rated R, we got Logan, which as I mentioned is is the best X Men movie, yeah. um, and then from the Avengers side of things, like we got Thor three, which was hilarious. Yeah. We yeah. got Fat Thor in Endgame, which yeah. was another comedic aspect to it. Like we got all these different things that like weren't in those movies previously from a comedic aspect and, and just from the way that they were made specifically, I think can be attributed to the way that Deadpool was and, and how successful it was to show that like, not only can you make this super like, you know, save the world and be a serious superhero thing, but you can also like add those comedic parts to it and still have a great overall film. So. Yeah. And really, and really keep the audience engaged the whole time while doing it too. Cause they're very innovative, fresh, um, mm-hmm. you know, common day jokes that are really landing with the audience and really genuinely making you laugh. And, and, and it, it's, it, it's gold. It's comedy yeah, gold. It <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, you know, this one too kind of rounds out as we're talking where then we have, we do actually get that kind of uh, full uh, superhero scene where Colossus is telling Deadpool because he has uh, Ajax at gunpoint and he's like four or five moments. 
It's all it takes to make a superhero. And then he's like listening to him, and then all of a sudden, Deadpool just ruins the speech he's giving him that like would be in every other superhero movie. Where then like the the guy, the bad guy, like learns something, and then they like you know come away morally better. And then Deadpool right. just like shoots the guy in the head. Yeah, he's like, nope, that's like, not how I function. He's like, why did you do that? And he's like, you were droning on. Like, <laughs> he's like, make it quick, or it's not gonna yeah. happen. And then he looks down at the guy he just killed, and he's like, well, we know he's not getting up from that one. And then, like, <laughs> they move on, and it's, like, the perfect ending to it because he, you know, we saw all of the things that we have come to know in a superhero movie. And then at every single turn, Deadpool does something to make it original and to, like, either poke fun at or just, like, flip the script on what we thought was going to happen. Right. And so and so unapologetically, too, because there was mm-hmm. I remember when it was when Ryan Reynolds was doing all the press for it and he had made the joke that it was going to be PG-13. And before anybody had seen the movie, people were mm-hmm. like, what do you mean it's PG? Like, we're waiting for this to be rated R. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, no, I, I got you. It's yeah. it's rated R. We're really going to push the boundaries with everything that we do in this. Yeah, he actually tweeted that out on April Fool's Day. That, yeah, that's like, OK. That's what it was. Rated was April R, Fool's PG-13, joke, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just endless jokes, and like, like I said, at that point in the plot, we we've wrapped up now. The bad guy's been uh, taken care of. Uh, we had the the famous speech talking to to make him better that he rejected, uh, and then he gets to re- be reunited with uh, Vanessa, and that's that scene we've been waiting for for him to finally address her as he is, so she can see what it, what he's been like, and. Um, <laughs> she goes to take off his his mask, and then underneath it, he has a a cutout of Hugh Jackman's face stapled onto his face, just in case the other one fell off. Yeah, just like... in case. Oh, and that's not the only you know the the only uh, Wolverine Hugh Jackman reference they have in the movie. Like they when in that opening one where he's breaking the fourth wall, and they ask like, "I know you're wondering how did I get my own." Uh, uh, solo movie i'll give you a hint it rhymes with pulverine like and then so we know like there's there's a funny thing there and um they go and and like i said he she takes off that other the second mask and they see each other and um she has a hard time at first like taking it in what he looks like because obviously like he he looks like death <laughs> and yeah uh and then they you know kind of get back together and she's obviously mad because he left her and um he's trying to explain himself and then i think the perfect way for that scene to happen is is how they did it where they go back to brings you back to the first time that they met each other where they do that like (laughs) terrible comparison of like their childhoods or like growing up and yeah uh go back and forth with that and uh he says like it's been awful i didn't want to leave you it's been so terrible. I've been living in a in a house with fifteen different people, and there's no heat, so we cuddle together for warmth. And everyone fights over Noel. She's the fattest one. <laughs> like they have this whole thing, and then she responds. And she's like, "So you live in a house, huh?" Yeah. And like, it's like this awesome thing where it's like, okay, like she's gonna accept him and like take him back, and like they understand each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like fully you know brings it together and uh then they have you know the the kiss uh and then he pulls up his phone and he's playing uh the song by wham wham like (laughs) and that's just like another thing that's hilarious and then as cassie would want me to point out there is use of the uh diegetic sound there where the song 
song goes from being on his phone to on the soundtrack of the film. Uh, and then that turns into Deadpool doing a narration voiceover at the end and uh, sings along with the song and um, just like wraps it up really well. And I, you know, start to finish, this is a film that obviously we can talk about. I mean, we made it what? Uh, this will be one of the longer episodes here. This, it wasn't yeah, three I mean, days, but <laughs> we've been at it for a bit. Yeah, and we can, I mean, honestly, I could still going, but I gotta, it'd be abuse to the listeners if we kept talking. Be, <laughs> we'd end up at seven hours for the podcast. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this is a, a film that obviously we can talk about uh, from a lot of different aspects, and uh, it's only a testament to how good it is because there's so much to yeah. say about it. Um, so, all right, Keaton, we're going to bring it back here. Okay. Uh, put you in the hot seat. Uh, yes, sir. I didn't do it. Um, well, actually, I did it with Cassie, but I've done a couple solo episodes, and so I don't yeah. challenge myself because I give myself a break because I have to talk for half an hour with no one else <laughs> with me, <laughs> and that's the challenge enough. So uh, if you have to give a one-liner um, to explain to somebody why they should watch Deadpool, what's it going to be? A one-liner. Okay. I'm gonna. Yeah, well, I mean, just a brief explanation. You know, yeah, no, no, no. That's. Uh, I give it. I give it to you in the most basic way that I can possibly state this for anybody that loves movies. Okay. Okay. This is a superhero movie that makes you forget that he's a superhero. Like it. It is just so. Not even generically funny. It is so uniquely funny, and. It it takes a lot of risks in the in the jokes that it takes and you know breaking the fourth wall and in the way that it builds the connection. But it it is genuinely one of the funniest, one of the the coolest, one of the best shot movies that I think I have ever recommended to anybody. Um, and it's it's a movie that you will never say no to. If you've seen it one time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've never seen it, you will know if you see it for the first time. Anytime somebody you want to watch Deadpool, yes, absolutely, put it on. Like, <laughs> it's a it's a cult classic, I guess, in a way for people for you know superhero movies and all of that. It is, it's incredible. Well, that's uh, that's probably almost exactly what I would have said. <laughs> yeah, I was I was waiting for this one because the first time I was so nervous, and then the second time I was like, no one's gonna come back. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, hey, it's. That's a, a part of the show. I got to keep you on your toes. So, yeah, no, I, uh, I think that's a great summary, and and you could convince me to see it if I hadn't seen it before with that. But, um, well, you got you got anything else you want to throw in there, K Bug, um, K Booty? I just I'll, I'll throw in. I love doing these podcasts with you. We'll keep we'll keep doing them, and um, yeah, hopefully, dude. I I really hope the sound quality once you go back through is is okay and. All the listeners are okay, and it doesn't hurt them. But if this works, we can we can really start to knock some out. Yeah, we can. And then Eric, I'm sure you're listening. We'll uh, we can yes. do a three person episode and really Eric, uh, we need you in here. Get crazy with it. Um, yeah. So that's what we've got for this episode of Film Junkies with Griffin Friends, the twentieth episode. Um, swaggy. It's always fun. Glad you came back on the podcast. Looking forward to the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to do, I'll be here for 25, 50, 75, a hundred, whatever. <laughs> one. I'll keep knocking them out. These, I, love right. I absolutely love spending this time with you. Hey, I'm, I'm with it, brother. I agree with you. Um, all right. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is another episode. 
and catch you next week.